0: hello and welcome to python Bytes, where we deliver python news and headlines directly to your earbuds this is episode 365.
1: wow recorded it's like we've just, been doing it for a year
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh recorded uh december 19th 2023 yeah uh, and i'm brian Akin. hey i'm michael kennedy and yeah if we did it if somebody listened to one a day now from like now on they would be behind because we'll be way ahead of by, of 365 by the time <laughs> they finish but yeah. <laughs> still be awesome um well want to kick us off with something cool oh let's, before we kick, kick it us, off yeah go ahead let's uh let's uh say that our this episode is sponsored by us so please support us and uh and other people i'm gonna like talk about that a little bit later at the end of the show um but also pick check out uh, all the courses at Talk Python Training, check out the complete PyTest course, you can be a Patreon supporter. And also if you want to connect with us, one of the best ways to do it is through on Mastodon and uh, we're all on Fostodon, or at least Michael and I are, at mkennedy, at Brian Auken, and at Python Bytes, so.
1: Indeed. Hey, do I feel like I'm really fast, Brian, like Neo in the Matrix, mind-bendingly fast? Uh, let's go with yes okay i appreciate that because this i I just got fiber in gigabit fiber installed 30 minutes ago i was hoping it wouldn't destroy the show but it almost almost didn't make it but it made it Ooh, nice so hopefully that doesn't curse it that something doesn't go wrong and it will crash but 950 megabit down which is fine but 950 megabit up is glorious we should like right.
0: we should speed up the, the playback speed when we release the MP3 so it sounds really fast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we're talking really fast because it's really uploading. Yeah. No let's let's talk about let's talk about Hatch because Hatch is awesome. Ofek is the maintainer creator of Hatch and boy oh boy has he gone big on his latest release one point eight point zero. So Hatch is like Flit is like PDM is like Pip ENV and many of these other um, poetry, others, if I'm leaving your version of this out, I apologize. But with version 1.8, this has gone in a bit of a different direction. You know, I had OFAC on, on the Python packaging panel. I think Steve Dower was there, some other folks were there. Uh, really interesting that there's this tension between should there be an app that manages Python environments with Python or should there be a thing that manages the Python itself, right? Kind of like PyEMV, for example, right? So Hatch has gone in that direction of now Hatch manages Python, not just Python projects. And there's this uh, thing to solve this problem in the form of PyApp. So PyApp is even, Maybe more awesome, PyApp is a runtime installer for Python projects written in Rust, and they can be, you ready for this? I'm so, so excited. Your Python app can be distributed as a standalone executable, a .exe or .app for users. What do you think, Brian? I'm very interested in finding out more. (laughs) Now this whole post is a little bit wordy, so let me jump into the omnivore version of it over here, which has a huge Mm -hmm. icon. So Ofex says, look, one of the things that has been a perpetual problem for Hatch and all the others I named is that Python itself is a dependency. So in order to use Hatch or any of these other tools or any apps, you have to say, well, go get Python and then get back to me and we'll start talking, right? So he came up with this thing called PyApp that will create installers for the different platforms. Claims it's trivial. It's probably never trivial, but possible. possible would be awesome even and so starting with this um, releases uh, not only are the binaries available for every platform but there are installers as in like install wizards on windows and a dmg type thing i'm guessing or a pkg on mac os Hmm. that's awesome if you have ever in the recent days tried to put something onto uh, mac os or windows There's a whole nightmare of digitally signing around it, Brian. So you can't just get a binary and give it to somebody. the The platforms will freak out; they won't let you open it. Like macOS will not let you open it unless you go into settings and say, "Allow me to run apps from untrusted developers." Mm. And Windows gives you this big scary dialog and tries to not run it. So that's why this next part—it's not developers that you don't trust; it's developers that Apple doesn't trust. Yes, exactly. You may or may not trust them but (laughs) that's a different conversation. It's a fair feature, but it makes creating desktop distributable apps super painful. So check this out, halfway there. The installer for macOS is signed using a certificate. So Mm. you already, your apps built with this are already trusted. Honestly, I don't know how this is possible. I mean, I know, why, why, how it works. I'm not sure that it, how it's allowed, but I'm all for it. So, because I've dealt with Apple and they are not lenient in any way, shape mm. or form when it comes to stuff running on their platform. But so the installer for the macOS is signed using the certificate from the same account used to sign the official distributions of Python. So you won't get any security warnings or blocking. Thank you, e Durbin, for helping out with that. And Hatch itself uh, with any good system is self-updating, so you can hatch self-update. What else I want to point out? There's also uh, a new Python, like hatch space Python command group that will allow you to manage things so you can uh, show what you have installed. You can install different versions of Python, C, Python, and PyPy for those. Uh, it works with virtual environments. It has built-in rough and rough format integrations. And... Traditionally, it's been somewhat slow to um, like activate and set up a virtual environment that's already previously been installed because it'll refresh and recheck that all of the dependencies are there and everything. So now it does a hash of those. And so only if the dependency statement doesn't match the hash, right, basically. So it'll pre-compute all that stuff. So now it should be basically instant. So also some... Minor breaking changes around build defaults, and the new app build target targets what I've been raving about. So, OFAC, you killed it! I Can't believe it. It's awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. Hatch has hashes. Hat, hat. <laughs> <laughs> if you hash, if you hash a hatch with hashling, and you know, like, there's some kind of tongue twister in there. We could do. I, I, I'm yeah, not doing it though. Gotta be. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm excited about this. Um, it's very cool. I, I definitely want to play with it.
1: Yeah yes
0: indeed what to you all right well um a i'm not sure how long this has been out but um hinnick has been uh promoting a new uh project that he's got called services or svcs which is short for services um and pronounced services and it is a um he, he I think it could be used for more than web stuff, but the the intent, I think, was uh, for removing some of the boilerplate code uh, from hooking up uh, dependencies and different, like like your database and your cache and all sorts of stuff to an application, typically a web application, but I think it could really be anything, um, but it's a flexible service locator, and one of the reasons why I haven't covered it yet on uh, python bytes, I don't think I have is because um I didn't quite understand what it was doing, and it took me a while to get my head <laughs> why around does this it. exist um but it's um it's pretty cool, and Hinnick apparently realizes that it is a bit difficult to get your head around what this is doing so he um he just recently re- released a video describing this uh this project so uh really great um Ah great great video describing uh services, what you can do with it, and also how to pronounce his name. He doesn't pronounce his last name though. Apparently that's left for maybe episode two. Um but Shalavak, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um uh it's it's pretty cool. Actually, I'm pretty excited about it after after watching it, um, watching the video. Um, I thought maybe it wouldn't be for me, but especially for keeping services contained, or the setting up services, looking them up within different parts of your application, and then um, uh, and then getting them all cleaned up correctly at the end. That's kind of what it does. Plus a whole bunch of other stuff. And one of the neat things is throughout all of this documentation, the documentation is amazing. Throughout all the t- documentation, he has examples in aio http Fast API, Flask Pyramid, and Starlet. So, um, nice. And some of the videos talking about Flask, but it's cool that he just already hit all the bases. Like, how do I do this in Starlet? Well, it's just a little different. Most of them, mostly they're similar, but um, they're little different ways to use it throughout the different applications. So it's pretty cool. He also mentions in the video that um, he took a really long time. Uh, uh, really. Talking about the terminology in the glossary of the documentation, and actually, I really appreciate this uh, of somebody saying, "Okay, uh, this is generally what I think of as what the re- the meanings for all of these words are." And it's a lot of these words are are uh, they're overused in the English language to begin with, and even in talking about programming, web programming. But things like what is a service, what is a resource, what is a dependency. Um, service layer. He goes through a whole bunch of different terms, what it means uh, to him and probably to everybody else. But um, if you're unfamiliar with them, and and even a decent discussion of dependency injection. So um, the one of the things he talks about is that this is not a not really a dependency injection thing. It's inversion of control, but it's a little different than service. Service locators are a little different than dependency injection. And I kind of appreciate that discussion. It's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, kudos yes. to Hinnick for doing this and uh, for helping us
1: pronounce his name. Yeah, this looks cool. I definitely want to check this out. It's news to me, so I will be checking it out. Cool. hmm <laughs> We have uh, new leaders, Brian. We do. Yes, for the Python world, we have new leaders. And specifically, the Steering Council election results are in for next year. Okay. So for the 2024 term, we have Pablo Galindo Salgado. We've got Gregory Smith, Emily Morehouse, Barry Warsaw, and Thomas Waters. So very cool to see them all leading the way. There's a lot of familiar faces there. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. I don't expect a whole lot of different from the year before but here's the results you could actually see in pep 8105 you see everybody who um was potentially a candidate how many votes they got by people who are disenfranchised i don't know what that means or the not the franchised voters the one who are enfranchised how many votes that they got and you can put that all together so this begs the question like well how do you get on this list <laughs> You get on this list by being nominated by a core developer. So everyone on the list was nominated by a core developer. If you are a core core developer, you are a core developer. You can nominate yourself. So that could be the person you see here, because everyone I see I think is a core developer. Okay. But anyway, the results, the results are in, and we have those five folks. Welcome and congrats. Welcome back. Nice. That's a good set
0: of names too. Yeah. So. All right. Indeed. Um, well, uh, there probably is some protocol
1: around elect the election results, right? No, you could model it with classes or you could functionally <laughs> model it like in an immutable way, but I don't know about a protocol.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, we're just great at transitions on this podcast. Um, the next I want to talk about Python protocols. Um, so there's an article from uh, Carlos Vecina, I think. Um, called uh, Python protocols, defining a protocol and when to use it. And actually, um, this is something that I have I've been meaning to play with for actually some years, and I haven't really done much with it yet. So I really appreciate this article. Uh, he's talking about um, the protocols are a feature of Python that were added in Python 3.8 So really, anything maintainable right now can use this. Can you can use protocols, but they're um and you kind of they're in mentally i think of them kind of like uh like class inheritance or, in, or mix-ins or abstract base classes and that's one of the things he talks about this in this article is is they are in that same similar space but um but you use them a little different and you might use them together with other with other forms too like with with mix-ins and abstract based classes so the article just goes through on how to define a protocol and really and he's also discussed you, also a decent tutorial on abstract base classes and mix-ins as well, which is nice to kind of describe them all together. Um, but the the protocol thing is uh, just sort of, let me see if I find an example. Um, uh, so you, you inherit, you have a class that's inherited from protocol and you give it, uh, you kind of give it function definitions, but don't fill in the body. Um, so that's kind of what a protocol is. And then other uh other classes that you that use the protocol um derive from that you know from that protocol from like in his example there's a pro- a class called explainable that something that has an explain function and so you would derive from explainable and then your new class would have would would be a instances of, of protocol but uh, all it really says is that you can other places that use it for types and stuff can declare that they need some need a protocol passed in or a explainable class. And
1: then you can use anything that derives from that. So pretty cool. Um, yeah, Brian, let me jump in and just say one extra point here. Like what's awesome about this stuff is we've had duct typing like this. There's an assess fairness function that it has to call explain on the object passed in. And duct typing said, well, if it takes that, if you can pass it in there and it will run when you call explain on it, it must fit, right? But the typing tools don't check. So like PyCharm, for example, would just go, well, it's a whatever. So good luck with that. But once you do this protocol stuff, if you say the function takes an explainable and you have explainable as a protocol, you can pass stuff in and it doesn't even have to derive from or be related to that protocol in a base class. Like anything that is passed in there, the type system will look at it and verify it has an explain, even if it's in a third party package and you don't control it. So it's like a way to project typing structure onto a dynamic thing that is not necessarily your code. It's wild.
0: Oh, cool. I kind of had that a little bit wrong then. Awesome.
1: You can drive from it. It gives you more information potentially, but. It doesn't have to be. You don't even have to, which that's the totally wild aspect. That's what I think is really different for this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool
1: no um yeah so uh,
0: clearly i haven't thoroughly read this article but i do want to get into really getting my head around abstract base classes mixins and protocols and stuff and partly i would say
1: that though because like your experiences in c++ mine also is in c++ and c sharp and all those languages have these interface ideas but there's they're they're put into the type system through inheritance and so you can inherit from it and it does what you expect and it seems the right thing but What's weird is you don't even have to. That's what's weird about it. Okay. And cool. Oh, awesome. Ah, now I definitely want to play with it more.
0: Um, yeah, because I've kind of missed that aspect of C++ in Python. Yeah. Um, so nice. Anyway, also, um, I'm assuming it's an
1: AI-generated image, but really cool image at the top of the article. It's kind it of- is. I, I'm not sure what my opinion is about it yet. I'll ask chat GPT how I feel about it. <laughs> It's hard to describe how I feel. So I'll, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually
0: sort of, I'm, I don't know. This is a tangent, but I've switched to, um, uh, was, I was playing with like Bing as my primary search engine at work. Yeah. I just, I don't know, the, a new computer, it just was there. And I'm just going with it for a while. But everything I search is like, gives me an AI generated answer first. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I like that very much. Yeah, but, I know. I know anyway
1: well that's um that's it for our main stuff do you have any extras i I could have almost made it an extra 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 this time so yeah sure i do (laughs) first of all i've been wanting to say this several times and i'm usually like looking at my screen and see what i want to share and stuff and i didn't have this anywhere so i just pulled up mastodon to remind me there are tons of people interacting with us over on mastodon and i've had some great conversations and i want to i'm sure you do too brian want to follow people back but there's there's kind of a, at least for, I'll, I'll say these are Michael's Mastodon's conventions. Uh, you could take them for what you want. I just made them up, but this is how I think about it. So people will follow me and I'm like, huh, did that person follow me? Cause they listened to the show and listened to Brian say, you should come join us and have a conversation. Hey, I'd like to follow that person. But a lot of times they have no picture, no description, no web pages, no posts. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, maybe not next, you know? And so I'm just gonna say, if you have a picture, and a description. That uh, description seems somewhat relevant. I will certainly follow you back. If you have posts, that's plus one. If you have a verified web page, which is easy, another plus one. And a lot of people have private accounts who follow me. I'm like, why are you in social media if you want a private account? <laughs> I don't understand what this is because your profile is public, just your posts are private. But the platform has a way to have private posts. I don't understand. So anyway, uh, probably not going to get a lot of engagement if you have a private account just post private messages for things you don't want to see so and while i'm on the topic of mastodon i had a really nice and productive conversation with the psf around my mask rant on PyCon. so that was nice over there some people weren't nice as so they sent me like not necessarily nice responses but the psf did and that was cool that's nice yeah all right next one on oh, wait. The, the, before, yeah,
0: before you move on i just want to add my two cents on the uh, yeah i do the, the picture um i also prefer to be able to see who it is but also primarily if the picture is something that they're using on other stuff so like if a lot of people have their profile picture on their like the profile picture on their blog and on their um and, and they're primarily a github user and and they have the same profile there even if it's like a stylized something but if it's the if it's distinctive and the same everywhere like glyph for instance has a has a, a different thing for them. I, I'm OK with that. But most people, I think, go with their picture, I think is the right answer. But
1: yeah, when I say picture, I don't mean necessarily it has to be your picture, just the fact that it's not the default icon. Yeah. <laughs> You've taken enough effort to put in something, even if it's just a picture of a triangle. I don't care, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul is asking in the audience, what is your secret? <laughs> 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 OK, well, we'll do this. Um, we earlier on we were
0: talking about how Michael's got a uh, faster internet now, so we should make it really fast speed. Um, and then somebody commented, Wegren uh, commented, "I played it at one and a half times speed. Then I got up to a live event, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden Brian should sounded like he got drunk in one second. Um, <laughs> and so I said, Brian's secret is
1: out. So nice. I just have another <laughs> drink in my." Uh... Irish coffee. No, it's, it's coffee. Trust me. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, more extras. So um, Dropbox spooks users with turning on new AI features that can almost automatically send your private documents to OpenAI. Now you have to interact with part of the site for it to happen, but it doesn't say, hey, necessarily, because you does, you touch this. We're now sending your social security number away. Um, but anyway, that's kind of what? Unnerving. It, yeah. So you can check that out on defaulted to on if you're not subject to the GDPR, but defaulted to off if you are. So, you know, plus one for GDPR there, I suppose. So mine was turned on.
0: Okay. So you have to go check to make sure that they're not sharing all of your. Ch-
1: yes, exactly. And it's on by default for you, Brian. So you might want to check. <laughs> And the whole conversation—it's on ours. The 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 comment section of our tech nega is like the top-notch place for comments. I think so, really good. Okay. Yeah, it talks about how to go find it. So anyway, this like cool. made me think. You know what? I should really be a little more. I have, I have like three terabytes of data in Dropbox, so I'm like maybe I should be a little more specific and intentional about where I put my stuff. So I went on this this rant on Mastodon. By the way, a bunch of people sent me all sorts of options of like, okay, if not Dropbox, then what? And I decided whatever I'm doing is probably good to have it um, end-to-end encrypted because then I don't care what they try to do with it, right? because they can't decrypt it. Yeah, that, that solves a whole lot of problems. I don't, you care about the security, but it doesn't matter as much as if you're just exposing files or leaking stuff or whatever, right? So I decided to go, I already have a, a paid Proton account. So all my private stuff, all my private documents and like my scans of things I want to save that might be sensitive, they're going to Proton Drive where I have 500 gigs and it's already paid for and and encrypted. There's a sync thing you can install. That's pretty excellent. I looked around and some people suggested NextCloud, which is really interesting. It's maybe more than I want. It's almost like a document, calendar, everything, Mm -hmm. self-hosted. Maybe do that Next. Yeah, OwnCloud got like super owned just last week, and is a similar self-hosted thing, which makes me a little nervous to self-host stuff. I know there are people who host it for you, but it's not NextCloud. It's a little bit indirect. So maybe. Violin, I don't know if you've heard of this, no. um, but they have encrypted uh, cloud storage end-to-end again. Pretty nice. I think this is, uh, is it British? I don't, I don't remember exactly. UG. Not sure. Uh, but somewhere in Europe, this company it looks pretty good i have not tried it but and and encrypted there's ice drive the next generation cloud storage also i think this might be the british one yeah this is in wales um i mean british i mean uk sorry folks Uh, so that's pretty interesting and i think i think i'm gonna go with sync.com super simple all they do is sync and encrypted for six terabytes it's like 140 bucks a year or something like that which is a lot you know, versus 240 for less than that in Dropbox. Anyway, if people are in this zone of like, I'm looking for all this stuff, oh my gosh, like what am I going to do, regardless of whether you care about the Dropbox fiasco. Here's a bunch of options can, people can pick. There was one comment in this whole discussion that was pretty interesting. I think it was in the Ars, just Ars Technica thing. And it said, look, if you give your data unencrypted to somebody, another company, even if you trust them, you don't really necessarily control that anymore, especially if they decide to pass it along. So yeah. uh somebody pointed out Cryptometer. Have you heard of this, Brian? No. So cryptometer is cool. I have used something like it, but it's older and no longer supported, which makes me sad. So what you do is you run this app, it does like super strong encryption. You control the key, right? It's just like a thing you make up and don't give away. And then it will create a drive, a mountable drive on your Mac or on Windows, like a D drive or an E drive or whatever. And that thing is encrypted. So when you mount it with this software, it looks like a drive. But then when you unmount it, it becomes just an encrypted pile of files. So you put that in Dropbox. You put that in sync or whatever. And then no matter what happens, they just get an encrypted blob of stuff. So things I super care about, I have encrypted in something, either Cryptomator or something like it on top of all the safety around the cloud drive and trust and whatever you might have there, like worst case scenario, they get a huge, hard, hard to decrypt a blob of stuff that they don't know the value of. And I don't know if it has Linux. Someone's asking, does it have Linux? Uh, sh- I think it might. Let's see. Mac. No, Let's see if I go to download what it says. Yeah, it's worth knowing for people. Downloads. Use your DMG yeah windows mac linux android and ios even Hmm. yeah so that's that i think that
0: it's a loss i mean cool but cryptomator would have been great as a rotten tomato sort of thing to to rate different cryptocurrencies i know
1: (laughs) it's uh (laughs) the word is uh taken i'm pretty sure this has been around before crypto became a thing like i'm not sure how old this is but yeah, there's 17 pages of releases on GitHub <laughs> from 2017. So yeah, they they were ahead of their time in that. But yeah. But this is super cool, Brian. Like you can just say, I don't really care that much about the security of where these files go. So you're not getting them. Hmm. Interesting. So I suggest a sweet combination of these things. I'm going through like a super digital decluttering as part of this, and it's glorious. I'm having like an a tech love affair with Notion. It's so good. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's, I'll leave it there. Maybe we will come back and tell you more about this. Last thing for me, I'm doing the keynote at PyCon, at, yes, at PyCon Philippines 2024 in February. How awesome is that? Slightly somewhere jealous, I, man. <laughs> somewhere if I scroll down and over. Woo! Yeah. Cool. Three, three of us, and I get to be one of them. So that'll be awesome. Thank you for inviting me. And if you're going to be there, I will see you there. Nice. Yeah, in February. Mm-hmm. oops i oh, just over you for your extras uh
0: well i just deleted one so sorry about that but uh control shift command t shift oh shift commit oh, whatever i'll just tell you guys about it um <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, uh this is the kind of year time of year that some people like to donate some money to different people different groups um mm-hmm. i had the link up for um for the Python Software Foundation, so uh, Python Software Foundation is not hard to find. So I would uh, encourage people to consider giving some money to the PSF. Also, uh, Django Software Foundation is doing a drive, so um, giving some money if you use Django, of course. Um, if you enjoy Python Bytes, of course, you can uh, check out uh, Patreon. Um, uh, Patreon, we do uh, accept Python money for Python Bytes to help keep the show going. This is great. Also, um, I wanted to, to highlight as well uh, just the idea that um, to just go on GitHub. So the different things you use on GitHub, like adders, um, for instance, you can go down and you can sponsor this project. Um, you can uh, throw some money that way. PyTest has a sponsor link. Uh, pallets and Flask has um, has a way to sponsor either all of pallets or particular projects within within the the Palettes program, and really a lot of a lot of projects that you use every day have a, a a sponsor this project on GitHub. So I think it'd be great to for people if you've if you have extra and you want to help out. I think it's a good idea. I've um, sometimes I help out different projects and I kind of shift it up every year and local things. And um, I think the things that I use. And one somebody asked me once uh, recently about. Like some projects don't really need the money, and I guess like uh for instance, I really love having people support python bytes through patreon it's It's fun to have uh, our community help support us it's not if you if you in particular don't donate, we're not going to disappear. Michael and I are going to keep doing it anyway um it is totally up to you, and definitely don't do it if it's a hardship, but I think it's a it's a it's a fun thing to do this time of year is to spread the love around That's all I wanted to say. So indeed, I second
1: that as well. Uh that's kind of serious though. Do you have something yeah. funny for us? Let's lighten it up. No, this is not funny. This is too it's too close to home. You tell me how you feel about this. So here's the joke. Here's the joke. So there's two red buttons. Think Ren and Stimpy or something like that, and a huge, scary red button. You can press either of them. One of them says pay twelve dollars. The other one says, admit to yourself, your dream is dead. <laughs> and at the bottom, <laughs> there's somebody sweating trying to decide which button to press. And it's the domain renewal. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too close home, for home to, uh, to home for me because I just transferred 25 domains from all the different places into hovers I talked about like a while ago. And I talked about all the, do- the name servers and all that. And there was a few. Where I'm like, God, is the dream dead, or do I just move this? So, how many and are you using still at, out of those? Well, lots years. of them are to like protect people from doing crappy stuff. For example, okay. I have talkpython.com. I don't technically use it; it redirects to talkpython.fm. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have it, someone will get it, and then all sorts of badness. Like, there's a bunch of these cards. I would say half of them fall into that realm. Okay, and then. Maybe another third I'm directly using. And then there's the whatever the balance, the one sixth that's left is the dream. Could be dead. But yeah. or it could be not there yet, not realized yet. We'll see. I had about eight
0: that I was not really using last year. And I let I I I admitted that that about half of those are not gonna go anywhere and uh let them expire. I don't go. Although yeah, I I mean, if you go. the domain companies don't make it easy. You're like, okay, I'm just going to let it expire. But you get like emails. Yeah, no, it, it's going to go. Oh, it's gone. But we've just, we're have just we going to save it for you for a couple more months. Uh, and you get
1: a whole bunch of e- guilt emails. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have one real quick sad story to round this out, Brian. Okay. A friend of mine and I decided we we're going to write some iPhone apps right when the iPhone came out, like 2007 or whatever it was. And he had the clever idea of like, let's get a domain. I probably, did it together. I don't know, got the domain, iPhone.ly, iPhonely. And we worked on stuff for like a year, because we didn't know we're going to build, we are just like, come up with this. We'll put stuff there. Never really came up with stuff. It looked like there was nothing on the horizon. We're like, you know, after three years, the LY, it was like the FM. It was like, kind of expensive. Like, ah, just let it go. A week later, somebody says, Hey, I'll give you $5,000 for that domain. So I shoot my friend like, hey, don't let it expire yet. Let's do this instead. He's like, it expired last week. Like, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, well. So it goes.
0: So that somebody could have paid you $5,000, but they instead got it for like 20. They got it for like 20 bucks or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh at your pain.
1: Uh... No, it's okay. I mean, like, I'm telling you, this is not a joke. Admit to yourself your dream is dead or pay $12 for the rest of your life every year. that's where you are (laughs) (laughs) no it's good it's a good joke and people can uh, hopefully laugh at it yeah
0: everybody most people that listen to this podcast probably
1: are feeling this yeah all right all right well i'm feeling good about our year's worth of show every day Uh, yeah 365 pretty cool yeah i don't talk to you later yeah see you thanks everyone